for anybody to proudly say, like BLM or say, we're proud Marxists, revolutionary Marxists, you idiots. Do you know what you're lining up with? This guy was just incredibly horrid. And uh, these people, you know, are all in. It's unbelievable. Welcome to Pod Bless America. I'm Jim. And I'm Dan. And today, we're getting black to basics. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know what? I don't even know why I let you. I don't know why I let you even have a microphone. How I important is it to get black to basics? You want that shirt? <laughs> I'll buy that shirt. Dwayne, would you wear that shirt? I will wear that shirt. All right. All right. So, How important is it? We got to get back to basics, first of all, as no, a country. For sure. Right? For sure. And we can't leave the blacks out. All right. Listen, here's what here's what we got going on today. So we're going to have a third voice in here. We have a guest host here, Dwayne Green, who is a friend of mine, and he is a strong black conservative. Oh, what? Yeah. I, they tell you they don't exist, my friend. I assure you they do, and they are numerous. Oh, what are you going to do? Bring another one on, they too? Are, they are <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> We're hard to we find, are. like the unicorns. You yeah, well, we're out there. No, nah, you know what? You know why you're hard to find? Because black conservatives are scared to speak up. That's yeah. why. Because what's the first thing they do when you speak up to him? Your Uncle Tom. Uncle Tom. Right. Whitewashed. Nobody wants to. Nobody wants to deal with that, right? And we are allowing them to push us off our message because you feel like you have to defend yourself. And it's the same thing when we're trying to drive something home and they're like, you're a racist. It's like, I, didn't, I, didn't, I wasn't even talking about race. Yeah. Holy shit, you right. just pulled the cord on that. But our, our guest tonight is Kevin McGarry, who is the co-founder of Every Black Life Matters, all right, which is basically an answer to the Black Lives Matters movement. It's what Black Lives Matter should have been. Should have been. Could have been. Mm -hmm. Could have been had they handled it right. Uh, he's also the chairman of the Frederick Douglass Foundation of California, which we're going to talk a little bit about, which uh, just looking into this, I have learned an unbelievable amount about Frederick Douglass that I never knew. And I could tell you this, you put Frederick Douglass right up there with every other patriot you've ever learned about in this country. He was an amazing man. Amazing. And I can't wait to start reading up more on Frederick Douglass. Uh, he's also the author of five books, his most recent being Woked Up. You can find that on Amazon here. Uh, I finally found it. If you just try to Google it, you're probably going to have to scroll down three pages because the Google machine does not like Kevin McGarry. <laughs> they do not like black conservatives. Uh, Woked Up, finally putting an axe to the taproot of white supremacy and racism in America. Kevin, you there? I'm here. Oh, my brother. So glad to be here, fellas. Man, Thank you for having me. Welcome to the show. Let's get black to basics, yeah, boys. I am sorry <laughs> about him. I'm sorry. Just There you go, baby. Listen, if you actually ignore him, usually he'll go away. So just don't. <laughs> hey, I do want to give a shout it. out. I want to give a quick shout out to uh, Freedom Square. Freedom Square is the one that managed to get us in contact with each other. We've talked about Freedom Square before. They are doing amazing work out there with yeah, amazing amazing work uh, furthering the conservative cause um, everything they do for us they don't re ask for a dime from us they're doing it just to help out the conservative cause so and you went out there back in march i saw that they put a picture of you up on their twitter when you were out there in march and we when were we out there jim uh, June, June. We I don't think they've put a picture June? of us up yet. They didn't put a picture of us up when we went there. I mean, I'm not going to call anybody out, Tom, um, but <laughs> I'm just saying that it'd be nice. It'd be nice. But no, they, they have a really great space out there. We had a lot of fun. We went in there and just, you know, we were ourselves and we went in there and had a really good time. No, we did. And they treated us very well. 
Well, well, let's start. Let's start with uh, Every Black Life Matters. And you know what, Kevin? I'll just let you, I'll let you open up with what Every Black Life Matters, how we ended up with Every Black Life Matters. Yeah, awesome. Uh, I'm glad you gave me the opportunity to sort of uh, start with that. So here's the deal. Uh, We saw Black Lives Matter uh, with all of the vitriol, hate, looting, burning black and brown businesses down to the ground and just whooping it up, having a good old time with their friends at Antifa. And I'm thinking, this is unbelievable. We're actually watching this. Nobody's being arrested. Everybody's celebrating this happening in our streets. And then I saw pastors and parishioners going out, walking alongside of them, pastors of these major churches, putting little Black Lives Matter placards on their boards near the, you know, with the cross in the front, in their front edifice. And I thought, you know what, this is a bridge too far. We need to come up with a righteous and faithful alternative to BLM. When these pastors realize BLM is everything that the Bible and the gospel and the, the you know, our faith is not, uh, they're going to want to have a righteous and faithful alternative. So, uh, you know, fundamentally, I was I was counting on the fact that that pastors would see that Black Lives Matter is full on Marxist. Marxist is full on demonism. Uh, not even, you know, there's no like close uh, uh, shade on that. I mean, that's just what it is. You know, once they see that, once they see that they're anti-family, anti-father, uh, anti, you know, school choice, anti-life. Anything anti, you know, they're anti anything good, basically. I said, you know, these people of faith are going to want a faithful alternative. So we started uh, Every Black Life Matters. We stayed in the same lane, kind of borrowed a little bit of their nomenclature for a very strategic reason. Uh, We wanted to illuminate the fact that uh, Margaret Sanger, who's the founder of Planned Parenthood, said, look, we don't want the word to get out, but we want to fully exterminate the Negro population. And unfortunately, uh, she and Planned Parenthood, uh, carrying her her uh, mantle, have done a masterful job at targeting and slaughtering black babies disproportionately compared with every other ethnicity. And so uh, we figured, well, why don't we borrow from BLM a little bit of their nomenclature and say every single black life matters. So we get to the crux of the issue. So when people say, oh, are you affiliated with We say, no, 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 no. Every black life matters from conception to the grave. And so we illuminate the fact that blacks have been uh, targeted and, and uh, racially exterminated because of the uh, maniacal eugenist machinations, if you will, of Margaret Sanger. So, um, so that allowed us to do that. It really brings to the forefront uh, the life issue and how it's been used against the black community. Uh, and so, so that, that's why we're here. Uh, so some people would say, well, you know, uh, it seems to me all lives matter, every life matter. And we say exactly they do. And that's why we're, we're saying every black life matters, because if you really fundamentally believe all lives matter and every life matters, you would have to, you, you wouldn't sit still with black genocide happening. Correct. And, uh, you would certainly be alongside of us as we, you know, point out that blacks are being slaughtered in the womb at a, at a much higher rate, uh, 4X to 7X higher than any other ethnicity. So it proves there's black genocide and targeting going on in this community. So you'd stand with us and you'd say, yeah, every black life matters. That's, that's that story. Now, But I checked their Wikipedia, Jim, okay, like I like to do about Black Lives Matter, and, and they say that uh, the idea that uh, some conservatives have accused Black Lives Matter of being Marxist movement, 
based on a comment by one of its co-founders. But however, PolitiFact noted that Black Lives Matter has grown into a national anti-racism movement, broadly supported by Americans, few of whom would identify themselves as Marxist. <laughs> That's because they don't know they're Marxist. Oh, right. they're ignorant that, to the isn't fact? That beyond the, isn't that beside the point? I mean, uh, the founders founded it to be Marxist revolutionaries. It doesn't matter how many people that are not Marxist that follow it. That That's ridiculous. It's, you know, they're, they're trying to expunge and sort of revision their actual record. They are diehard Marxists. Uh, it's a Marxist enshrined organization. Well, and, I and think, that's the way it is. I think one of the things with following the whole Marxist thread, right? The only ones that benefit from socialism, the only ones that benefit from Marxism, from communism, are the Marxists, are the communists, are the socialists, right? That's the right. people don't. You don't benefit from that. And if you look that's now, right. uh, what's Patrice's last name? Kohler's. Yes. How, how many million dollar houses does she have now uh, on the uh, last I counted? It was like five or six. Right. There's the one in Canada and there's four in California on the BLM dime on the BLM yeah. dime. Now, Absolutely. and now you've got this, this guy out of New York that is just yeah. breaking Bowers Bowers, who is now taken 10 is alleged, 10? allegedly, allegedly siphoned $10 million out. Now, could you allegedly, imagine, could you imagine what Kevin and his group could do with just that 10 million that he siphoned, let alone like oh, how much, man. how much they're, they're sitting on uh, besides that. Now, let know? me ask you this, Kevin, she has five or $6 million houses. Okay. Mm-hmm. How many college scholarships? has BLM given out to kids in underprivileged communities? Hmm. Naria one. I haven't heard of any stories of scholarships. I haven't heard of them stepping up when uh, huh. a lot of the black single mothers were uh, locked in during COVID. This doesn't make any uh, sense. They could have stepped up and provided some kind of child care, uh, some help in some way to help uh, parents continue to be able to work. I mean, there's so many good things that they could have done. There, there's there's a lot of black babies that's been slaughtered uh, due to uh, uh, drive-by shootings and getting caught in the crossfires. Well, sure, and Chicago but now, and, and now BLM has done good work in Chicago for the black-on-black uh, violence, right? I saw them out there for a uh, a protest they had about all these all these uh, black folks killing each other and and the babies being killed. Oh, no, wait a they, minute. They did do a uh, march that way? I, uh, I know. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm mistaken. You're thinking of something else. I'm mistaken. Oh, I'm mistaken. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. The, the, the protest yeah. I remember was the last time a cop killed a black guy. Whether or not he was guilty, you know, whether or not he committed a crime, that's what yeah. I was thinking of. That's when that's they burned down the city. Yeah. Right, right. That's, right. that's so, right. So let me ask you, all this money that they're making, where's it going then? If they're not giving it to... If they're not giving it to the black communities, if they're not taking care of the black mothers, if they're not stepping in to fill the role in these fatherless black homes, where's this money going? Well, uh, according to what we're seeing now, it's going in their pockets. Mm. A lot of it, I think it had over uh, approximately a billion dollars by some estimates that were pledged. A lot of that went directly to Act Blue. Uh, Now, you know. It's kind of strange how a 501c3 can actually give to a 501c4 political organization. That is, it's strongly prohibited. 
and yet strongly strongly prohibited for conservative 501c3s absolutely not 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 so much for leftist not so much for leftist. yeah that's exactly right nobody's been perp walked and nobody's been exposed right nobody's been taken out of the airport with ankle ankle bracelets (laughs) on (laughs) right right their houses haven't been stormed i mean you know come on this is this is ridiculous and it and it, it is so obvious it is so obvious to everybody and i talked to Dwayne about this when he got here and i'll get in front of it right now because i know that haters that are listening to this what is the first thing they're going to say Dwayne? look at these two white boys they brought in a token they brought in a token black guy rbd <laughs> random black dude yeah they just brought in some guy man they brought in some you know i'll get in front of it but you know why i'm bringing him here i'll tell you exactly why because two white guys that are having this conversation don't hold the credibility as Dwayne Green who lives it. We don't mm-hmm. hold the credibility of Kevin McGarry who was born poor, who was born mm-hmm. in this. I mean, talk about your upbringing because I think it's important, right? You yeah, weren't yeah. you weren't born to a NASA engineer who was making two hundred thousand dollars a year. You didn't go to private school. No, but one thing oh, that man. that Kevin does say that that I totally agree with because I've lived it too is that you know you were fortunate to have a father and you got to learn from his mistakes and he's still with us. Correct. Yeah. So yeah. I think, so I think you're, yeah. Years married. Yeah. yeah. Well, they're about to be 63 years married, I assume. Yeah. About to be 63. Yeah. Heck yeah. 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 It's, it's <laughs> amazing. But let me, let me tell you a little bit about my, my upbringing. I was uh, born in abject poverty in Hunters Point uh, projects up in San Francisco. And, uh, you know, the reality is, is that uh, my parents were there, they were married, but you know, it was grossly dysfunctional, you know, like, so I, I lived in that kind of environment until I was about seven. Then they moved to a lower middle class community. And uh, if you know anything about Hunters Point, though, that's where the Black Panther Party started in the 1960s. And that's okay. when, when I was coming up. Oh, is that where, so, Forrest, is that where uh, Forrest Gump was in the movie? Yeah, <laughs> I think it was. I yeah, probably. Oh, with the Black <laughs> yeah. Panthers? I'm yeah. sorry for ruining yeah. your Black Panther Party. <laughs> Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about, Kevin. Completely inappropriate. And he doesn't have a filter. It's the weirdest thing. So I, I grew up, you know, if you if you looked at the boys in the hood, man, I was a hood rat. I did everything uh, wicked and, and just kind of just stupid stuff. But uh, so I was urban dweller, leftist, uh, you know, housing, uh, upbringing and just doing all kinds of crazy stuff. And and but you know my father came home every day so uh guess what i i can't i brought the grades home you know i wanted to make sure that i didn't give him an opportunity to beat me upside the head he was a runaway alcoholic my all my formative years right now he's you know when i left and went to college he was he was all of a sudden cleared up so i'm like wow and i guess we put a lot of stress pressure on him <laughs> he just he, you know he just overnight he just stopped he just you know so, uh, but anyway, he and my mom have been now married, going on 63 years and happily married in San Francisco. They're still there and just uh, doing great things. But the bottom line is, is I was um, uh, I urban dweller, you know, leftist or, you know, that kind of an environment and did that. And then I, because uh, I had, you know, good grades and went to San Jose State, got a sociology degree. So I'm steeped in leftism, poverty. And understanding everything about that. I'm steeped in understanding Marxism because if you can imagine San Jose State teaching a sociology major, you know, about this stuff. And so I, I get it. But uh, when I got married, uh, there was a sea change. You know, wife, wife and I decided to take God at his word, take him seriously. And uh, uh, we started to look at these platforms, uh, this one area. And uh, we thought, 
wow, we've been grossly misled. She's she's a psychology major and now a sociology. So we're very practical. We don't, you know, we don't care about ideologies. We, you know, what's right, what's good, what's just, what's honest, what's reasonable. And so uh, we started to take a look at the platforms and we thought, man, we have been manipulated and deceived so long. We have done our community a disservice voting this one way that we thought was actually bringing forth good. And it, it just really was hurting our community, the communities that we cared about most. So uh, we started to, to vote differently, not along ideological lines. You know, we're not a diehard conservative. I mean, we are conservative because of the word of God is, but we're not a diehard Republican or anything like that. You know, there's just certain principles that we just we cannot vote for. And uh, some of those are life and and uh, the, the ability to maintain completely the Bill of Rights and the entirety of the Declaration, of, uh, you know, basic stuff. Sure. And and so um, uh, we've been, uh, uh, you know, voting conservatively er- ever since. And, and uh, since that time, I've written five books. And uh, so that's kind of my upbringing. I mean, you know, uh, I, I was also a, a fighter on the street. So uh, I used to, you know, used to love to kind of just get my scrap on. So um I, you know, it just seems like God used that zeal for getting people's face when I was, a, you know, when I was a boy growing up. And uh, so now I do it, you know, wherever I go. I don't, I don't mince words. I don't equivocate. I don't bow. I don't, I don't, you know, slink out. Um, you know, we, we, we bring truth and we stand firm on it and we get in your grill if you try to fight back. On it. I don't understand how you could become successful because I've been led to believe that the United States is systemically racist, that there is no hope for a black man in this country to become anything unless they're an uncle Tom, right? Unless you're going to go and you are going to subscribe to the white man's way of life. There is no way that you can move forward in this country, but that lie has been perpetrated by the Democrats for decades. For decades. Yeah. Yeah, Decades. Because they, they, they want to keep people uh, really constrained with their own imagination about what racism is, what it's not, and but how. Why? It's why aren't people influenced. waking up, Kevin? Here, here's the thing, uh, and I've 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 been asked this a couple of times from, you know, why are why does the Latino or Hispanic community seem to be not so smitten with uh, Democrat? You know, a lot of them are going to be uh, you know voting Republican this time, and but yet that stronghold for the black community is still there. So we have a lot more history here that the Hispanic communities don't. Number one, um, and what happens is is our you know people, our, our parents and grandparents, they uh, went through a lot and they remember a lot of the stories. And um, they really felt that the Democrat Party was the one party that was looking out for the best interest. So it's it's really kind of a hard thing to to break if you're inclined to be uh, ideologically driven as opposed to principally driven. When you're principally driven, you look at the principles of what's happening, and that's what happened in the 1800s, what's happening right now. It's affecting my family, affecting my way of life right at this minute. And you say, uh, I don't, you know, uh, hey, you know, we have to vote for what's happening today. And uh, who is who has the best policies that best align with me and my family? And that's the way we're going to carry this thing forward. If you're ideologically driven, you'll continue to be led by the nose by 
people who will manipulate and deceive you every election season, they'll come up with tropes like, you know, all Republicans are white supremacists, like uh, Jim Carvel did, uh, what, two, three weeks ago. Old, old Skeletor. Well, Skeletor, man. Well, yeah, okay. He reminds me of Skeletor for real. And, you got uh, you got the president of the United States. Oh yeah, man. We're oh, these ultra MAGA. They're all white supremacists. They're all oh, yeah. all radical extremists. Yeah. I mean, you have the president yeah. of the United States who can't form a thought, but managed to eke out that half the country is racist and. When you have Obama whispering in his ear every time, you know, he's just got to mouth those things, you know. And Susan, a, Susan Rice is in there. And Susan the Rice, yeah. Klain, so they're, knows it. they're constantly, absolutely, they're constantly whispering in his ear what to say and stuff like He didn't know what he's saying. Said, you got to be a fan of Obama, right? I mean, first black president, he had to do great things for your community, right? <laughs> oh, man. Boy, he, what, a, what a disaster this guy was. I didn't vote for him either time. And uh, had a lot of people, uh, you know, say, hey, how can you live vote for Obama, man? And I was like, man, are you kidding me? This boy, he, he hasn't done, a, you know, anything for our community. And he's the, what he stands for is, is, you know, completely against what we are supposed to be all about. So why would I, you know, why would I do that? Well, so, and you know what? He had the power to do it because, again, uh, I mean, he he was from Chicago and he went back and he fixed the violence problem in Chicago. Right. No, that didn't happen. <laughs> no, he never went back. Not once. Nope. He just turned his back no, on Chicago. He, huh. he he has a mansion on Martha's Vineyard right next to the ocean that he claims is going to be swallowing it up in about 10 years. <laughs> hey, and right. you know what? America's racist. That's how he yeah. got that mansion. Yeah. But but we're off topic here. Let's get back on the, let on me, the father issue here because we need to drive yeah, this one Yeah, agreed. Home. Let, me, let me just say this, though. For as frustrating as it is for me to see the black community continue to vote for the Democrats and the Democratic Party and the leftists that promised them the world and never deliver. And yet four years later, they believe them again. And then they believe them again and they believe them again. And I understand that's generational, but for as frustrating as that is to me, Dwayne, it has to drive you insane because people you love, right? You've got, you got an aunt. (laughs) You got an aunt, bro. This is, listen, this is where I got mad respect for Dwayne. If you want to see a guy who can go toe to toe with a leftist, when Auntie B starts in on you, how many times do you, I mean, you just shut her down because you come with her with facts. Facts? But it's all emotion. With her. For her. For her, yes. Yeah. And that's, I don't know how you. You can't. Reach them. This is, and not only that, she's a minister. And, but somehow they fall in line with the Democrat Party on abortion, LGBTQ, uh, transgenders. Whatever evil thing. Well, out they there. just don't. They just don't step out of line. What is, right. is what it comes. What down does Aunt B think about uh, Donald Trump and what he did for black unemployment? He didn't do nothing. Didn't matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah, he could have made it zero. Yeah, uh, it <laughs> almost this is did. The thing. As long <laughs> as he's a racist or considered a racist, forget his policies. Oh, they they're judging the man and not what he's done. Well, and it's all. It is always about emotion with the left. Yes, and forget that he was friends with every rapper, taking pictures with uh, Don King and everybody Snoop else. Dog. Uh, yeah, everybody loved him until he became president, and all of a sudden he became and the media turned him. Yes, a racist. Yeah. So and and there's nothing you can say. I I think for the most part, black people is a back to God movement for them. They have lost their spirituality, and they believe more in the Democrat Party than what. 
a higher power can do for him. I know you are speaking. Absolutely. You are speaking Kevin's language right now. <laughs> Kevin just perked up, man. He just man. sent you a Facebook friend request. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, brother. I've been, I've been saying that for years. I've been calling pastors out. I say, look, man, you can say what you want about Jesus and the gospel and everything else, but look, yeah, bro, you know, you bow at the altar of the, the Democrat Party before you uh, bow at the altar uh, of, of, of the cross. But why? Uh, come on. What have they done? Well, because, what, they're, what they're, in a, they're in a vacuum. But what have they yeah, done for yeah. them? They're, in, they're they in that vacuum that they, I mean, what, what has to happen is you almost have to start a new community of black conservatives that live in, you know, name a small city that doesn't have a big population. And then all of a sudden it's like, Hey, you know, when you come through here, it's, it's black conservatives that are raising families that are doing that have, that have, you know, well, and this is what we said for, at the beginning though, the problem is there's plenty of black conservatives out there, but they're afraid to speak up. I have another friend and um, she's, well, I don't know if I would consider her conservative. All right. But she is a black woman who has always voted Democrat has seen the air in her ways. That's has, a unicorn, a black conservative. <laughs> <laughs> well, she, but she, she has seen the air in her ways. She has, she has now come, come around and said, look, I mean, Donald Trump was the devil to her. And now she said, look, life under Trump was much better for me than life now. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, how about if you come on this podcast, let's talk about this. And you know what she says? She yeah, says, no. she says, look, I, I, I can't do that in front of my people. What? Your people ain't going to hear it no way. Well, right. <laughs> yeah, right. They're not listening yeah. to this. But that is, that's the thinking. I can't. I can't come out and say that I'm a conservative. I'm not going to be labeled that, right. you know? And, and, that's, and that goes to another thing. They're, they would rather put themselves with the Democrat Party. And this is back on church, people. Black Lives Matter, LGBTQ, transgender, abortionist, then be with evangelical white people because they are the racist for whatever reason they're the racist sin is much better worse off than other sins so and it's a hard hurdle to get over yeah they, it, it, it's a mindset they got mind blockers that they refuse it, to it is so frustrating i don't man i mean well, here's what pisses maybe, me off the most okay maybe, maybe some older folks are most racist. of the people i know are white people okay in my whole entire life Okay. And I don't know one dude strapped up with a Confederate flag. It's like, I'm a white supremacist. I was going to be doing some white supremacy (laughs) shit. Like, I don't know any of them dudes, and I know everybody. Maybe, maybe some of these old folks, these 85 year old old folks I know that were born in the South, right? And they still call black folks colored. Yeah. You know, because that's how they were raised. And and maybe them, I don't know a racist. I don't. Well, I do. I know. I know him, and he's in the White House. That is fair, my friend. And this is not ad hominem. This is fact. This this boy, what he done did, man, nineteen ninety four, come up with this crime bill yeah. and put you know brothers doing twenty five to life for a dime bag of weed, and he beat his chest about that, man. He said, "Look, if they even have a, a, you know this amount of crack, five little five dollar amount of crack." They're going to do five years minimum, and they can't get out of it. He said, these urban predators. And then you have these people, these pastors, so-called, that won't call him out for his obvious mass incarceration that he did to the black community. Am I wrong? Am I wrong? Or did he he... know exactly what he was doing? We hear these pastors screaming from the, 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 you know, top of their lungs talking about mass incarceration. And I always ask him, bro, why don't you say who, who did that? 
Who did that? He didn't want his kids uh, going to school uh, in an urban jungle. Uh, yeah. Oh, he did say and, that. Yeah, he did. You know what? Absolutely nobody he did. It's all him. Nobody I mean, it was his bill. It's his signature legislation. He ran on that. God, I can't remember. Until, uh, he ran for president this time. Kev, what was the girl's name that went to prison that Trump released? Starts with uh, What's her first name? Starts yeah, with an her, a, I think. Yeah. Her, uh, Alice Johnson. Alice Johnson. Alice Johnson. Johnson. Yep, yep. Yep. What was her story? Because she, she got caught uh, up she, in the 94 she, she crime bill. Even, she, yeah, she got she got caught up. Here's the thing. She had a boyfriend that was uh, dealing drugs. She didn't really know what she was doing. He asked her to take a package. She was like, oh, OK. She didn't know what it was. She was she got caught up with some paraphernalia that he had. She had already done when Trump released her. 23 years she was going to be in there for life oh that's when kim, that's when kim kardashian went to the white house and talked to him about it absolutely yeah she didn't have drugs on her she didn't have anything on her it was um you know some communication or you know something she was in the mixed up in the middle of and she had it uh unscrupulously she didn't know what it was it was you know a package that he just said hey you deliver this to over here and uh, so that's the kind of stuff, man. We still got thousands and thousands and thousands of people doing hard time because of Joe Biden. And we have these pastors silent and complicit. They can say all they want about Trump. When I bring this one up, I say, yeah, oh, what, what about mass incarceration again? Oh, what do you mean? I say, well, who, who, who did that? Uh, they go silent because so, a lot of them know, but some of them don't. But they the say, ones I, that I know, know can't can't make your point for you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so I don't want to hear from from people on the um, from, uh, on this side, uh, you know, black folks talking about Trump's racism when he was trying to undo what Biden had done, uh, which is which is relegate people that were relatively innocent, minor offenses and doing tremendous time. What Biden has done to the black community is horrendous. This guy, he calls us, you know, you don't vote for me, you ain't black. Talk about, you know, they put y'all in chains. Talking about all this, uh, you know, crazy stuff yeah, from yeah. the beginning of time. Talking about, we don't know how to use the internet. You know, blacks don't know how to use the internet. They don't know how to vote. What? Or you, or you like can't get an ID. <laughs> what, kind of, what, kind of, what kind of crazy, maniacal, racist bum is this that these people willingly put in office and then when he starts destroying these communities even further because you know, they were coming up with Trump but he, he comes in day one starts destroying these communities now we have these people on fixed income these elderly people that are paying uh, an additional $8,500 a year they said about $700 a month everybody's paying right? average family average household so and they're on fixed income. What how what are they supposed to do when the gas uh you know doubles? Right. And, and which it has. Electric what bills do do double. That? Yeah. How how you how, come on, man? You got these elderly people and you got these people that these single parents that are now uh relegated to eating spam, you know, pretty much every day of the week because they can't you know, it but can't make he's gonna tell slow, them well, that slow he, down. I had to eat spam when I was a kid. He, <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Spam but is listen, good. he is good. gonna tell these people that he can fix this, right? This is what government does. They create the problem just so they can come up with a solution to get you to vote for them, and okay. they are going to get people to vote for him. Oh, Joe Biden's gonna fix this. I'm like, uh, Mitch, Joe Biden Joe is the one the who, who started this problem. He made this problem. We the were energy thing. independent. The lowest black unemployment rates it, forever. 
the mm-hmm. lowest yep. Hispanic, the lowest Asian unemployment rates. He was handed this turnkey government. All he had to do. The Those were all Obama's policies that created that man. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you know? Don't you know? <laughs> Shut up, racist. <laughs> so off topic, off topic again, let's jump back on it. Because if you go to everyblm.com, right, and you look at the top bar, you have this thing called resources. And I haven't been to the actual BLM website to see if they have resources as well, but yours goes from speakers to CRT resources to church training to corporate training. At the bottom here is a fatherhood resources. And, And you say right here, many studies have confirmed that the single most important characteristic leading to black advancement and prosperity is the presence of a father in the home. Fatherhood programs and initiatives should be a cornerstone of our goals toward personal excellence and for community successes and advancement. And that's in every race. That yeah, should be that should absolutely. be that should be the cornerstone every of single every race. single race. And then what the social anthropologists found is is they can reduce crime and poverty by upwards of seventy percent if they had fathers just remaining connected to their children. And if there was school choice. So those are our big, big things that we're trying to push, because if you want to do something about poverty and crime, uh, then, hey, that's it. Let's encourage brothers to stay connected to their babies. And uh, let's let's get some school choice programs across the United States. And I don't get it, because when my first child was born, I was at work thinking, like, why am I here? Why am I not? holding that kid like that thing became everything to me the minute it was born and I couldn't imagine even being away from her for you know the the work day I didn't look forward to it I was I was pissed and I can't understand how they could be so disconnected but they didn't have that father at the time you know and it's just a, a vicious cycle and and it's terrible Dwayne what it's would it take right now for you to walk away from your family <laughs> what would it take my kids yeah what would it take? <laughs> I couldn't. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. It's just one of those things. It's, uh, that's my flesh and blood is there's, uh, there's no way, you know, that's, and, and like I said, that's all part of it is I learned, I didn't know that. Of course, when I got married and had kids that the statistics was so much for so higher if a dad is in the home, but I understand it now, you know, they see me go to work, they see me go to church or whatever. They see me do a lot of things though, but, uh, sure, sure. <laughs> but mainly I'm there to be the support for them to provide protector and everything else. Keep bad guys away. Keep the men away off of my daughter, you know, <laughs> <laughs> to not, to not get her knocked up yeah, at 13. Right. Right. And make sure, Hey, this is the type of people I mm-hmm. like. Well, and the fact that you're there allows your wife to be there a lot more, right? If you weren't there, how many how many jobs would your wife right. have to she work? Right. Two right. shifts, yeah. right? Yeah, or be on That's welfare right. On, on, right. underneath the government, you know. And but is that their plan? I mean, let me put the yes. tinfoil hat on. Is yes. that their plan? Yes. Did they talk to Temptations into making that song "Papa Was a Rolling Stone" <laughs> just to make it sound like it sounds like it may be fun? <laughs> exactly. What? Well, we know well, the music industry is evil too, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but, so maybe, but maybe that's maybe that's the crux. Maybe so, so, maybe they don't want them to get the because they want them to be dependent on big daddy government. So, Kevin, are you saying that it is not necessarily the white man's fault that the black man can't get ahead in this country? I mean, that just doesn't you sound know, right because BLM says, yeah, yeah, of course, uh, right? everybody uh, law wants enforcement. to be a victim. Uh, everybody wants to be, a, you know, to identify themselves as a victim so they have an excuse for their condition. Okay, so. If I could say, look, I'm here, but, you know, the reason why I'm here is because, you know, the white man took all the jobs. He's the one that got all the keys to, 
to being able to succeed or trying to make money and they got all the money, they got all the jobs. So I'm just going to kick it here and smoke some blunts. That's a pervasive attitude that people begin to adopt because they're, it starts in school where the teachers start to say, look, you can't get ahead. You're black. You know, and, Nothing and you everything's can do. rigged against you. And nothing you can do. Everything's rigged against you. Victim so mentality. Then it starts to, exactly. It starts to cement a victim mentality. And then they don't go for it because they're thinking, hey, look, I've been conditioned to understand. Look, it's a white man's world. White man got everything, so I can't, you know, well, well, shoot, I got to get out there and try to stretch, you know. It, it, so this is this is this is what happens. And so and it, why why would I have to, when the government's just going to go ahead? Listen, the government paid for my mom, the government paid right. for my grandma to live. Right? We that's had right. a pretty good life. They gave them the money. Why should I go out there? Why should I have to do this? When I, I get can, government cheese, I can just get the government <laughs> cheese, man. They'll That's take right. care of me. That's right. They'll take care of exactly. me. Exactly. They don't need a father exactly. in the home. Uncle Sam. Uncle Sam's your daddy. Yeah. But now, so exactly. so so I'm working this job, and I I'm working with this black dude, and I I meet his his girl, and I'm like, hey, when you've been with her for a while, man? We've been working together for for ten years. When are you gonna marry her? And he looked at me, and he goes, what? She made too much money. What? He goes, you know, you don't understand. Uh, my house is Section Eight. I own it. She's getting the Section Eight for it. We got these many kids. We're getting the if I marry her, it ruins the game. And then he looked at me like, why aren't you doing it? And I'm like, what? Why aren't I doing it? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh my God. You know why? Because my dad whooped my ass. Have you found out I was yeah. I was doing that, yeah. you know, and getting and yeah. getting free money for nothing. Um, but it made me sit back and think like I had no idea he was running the racket. And yeah, so so how so who's running the racket? System. Everyone out there was running the racket. Holy, I was, I was, man, I was like, (laughs) (laughs) I'm the idiot. Well, yeah, but now I'm looking at him a little different. Now I'm like, you know, man, you, but I don't know, you know, you're subsidizing his lifestyle. Yeah. Because it's, it's, it's the, it's the food stamps. It's the welfare. It's the, it's the housing. It's the whole, you know, what, what is that? Is that another 2,200 a month? I bet that she's making by just sitting there. Who's that buzzing? That wasn't me. I'm, no, that was one of us here. We were buzzing. That so, was uh, that was uh, actually me. The, oh. the emergency alert. Talking oh. about uh, well, we're good. We can edit that out. Make sure you don't make sure you don't plug in your electric vehicle. <laughs> <to the power grid. laughs> Shut up. Where where are you at right now? I'm in uh, California, Northern California. Oh, get out of here! So you're getting an alert telling you, listen, you've got to buy these electric cars, but you can't charge them. You're going to figure that out on your own. And it's been um, like that all weekend for the past four days. They've been sending out these alerts. Yeah. Hey, please, you guys. They shut down you, all the coal fire home plants. at night. Yeah, yeah, because they mm-hmm. shut them down. Mm-hmm. So when you come home at night, and we know that you need your EVs charged, but if you guys charge them all, uh, the grid will go down. So please don't charge they, for the past four days. So, you know, it's, right. it's ridiculous. What are these people right. supposed to do, right? Well, and you know, you're uh, talking to Dan here who just got laid off because uh, they his, shut down my coal-fired power plant up here in Northern Ohio. Yeah, he understands See? he understands energy. And and the and yeah, don't even get me started because I mean, right now it's it's you're 3 hours behind us now, so it's it's peak time right now. So, it was low in the morning and then it pops up like this like a big giant roller coaster and you're at the top of the hill right now and they don't want yeah. all the people charging the electric vehicles to put them over that because they have That's to right. be they have to have 10% I don't know what the law is in California, but we have to have 10% more energy being produced than, than is needed at all times. And the, the closer you get to 10%, the more the dollars go up for what they're paying the people that are making the prices. So if you guys all start charging the cars out there, then it's just going to skyrocket the price. And then 
your bills are going to triple and, or they're not going to have enough power to do it. So they want you charging at like midnight or one when everyone's sleeping. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. I can't. So that's that. what the alert was for is look, please don't put on your AC. We know you're just getting home. Don't put on your AC. Don't charge your vehicles. Uh, don't do this. Don't do that. We're in we, California. You know, are you? I got a friend. I got a friend down in Orange County right now. And I don't know where he went. He went on a little road. I'm trip. in uh, the East Bay in uh, the San Francisco Bay area. So okay. I'm, I'm 25 minutes. He was, he was 108 degrees today where he was somewhere, wherever he went. I mean, I cannot. So what's the temperature got to be there now? 90. I mean, uh, no, no, it's a, it was 102 today. I mean, the entire West coast is on fire. Yeah. I mean, it's so Los Angeles, I was there over the weekend. It was 104 in LA. No, no uh, AC though. Then, Don't turn your AC on, bro. Yeah. Right. Right. And, and then I come home, uh, you know, after the Labor Day weekend, and it was still 97 degrees when we got home last night at going on nine o'clock. It was unbelievable. And yet those and people so now in California. It's 102 where I am right now. And the people in LA County and what county is San Francisco? Uh, San Francisco County or Alameda County. Okay. So, so between those three counties with LA County, those people continue to elect democratic leadership into that, into that state. Yep. Knowing that the state is literally just is a sinking ship. It's, yep. it's crazy to me. But they ain't burning no coal, buddy. <laughs> they had their yep. chance. Well, I'll tell you what. California dropped the ball. They had their chance with Larry Elder. He would have brought them yep. out of this. He well, now here's, here's what I think happened with Elder. I think Elder actually won that election. But here's a problem. Here's a problem. We had Gavin, the demon Newsom who said, look, we're going to do COVID rules. And they did COVID rules. They sent uh, they sent the ballots to every single address. So, you know, you would think that, okay, since illegals can't vote, you got to make sure to carve out, you know. No, no, no. Every single address in California. So you have some people here that are illiterate in, in their own language, let alone ours, just came up, you know. And uh, they're getting our ballots, man, every single address. And so we had probably two to three to maybe five million illegal votes. And they counted those every single ballot, every single vote. And then after he won, he says, look, we're going to have COVID rules on elections in perpetuity. Yeah. So that means that every single address gets it. And then and then to back that up, we're Dominion systems. And you know what that means? Yeah. So, you, you know, it, it's a it's it's a rigged game. I mean, right. It's, it's called adjudication. I can tell you right now, I am in possession of two absentee ballots that were mailed to my residence that are well, not see. anybody who lives there. Huh. I am in see. possession of two of those. I could see. fill those out right now and send them in. You need a lot of information yeah. though. You need driver's license number. You need, and if you open that letter, the secretary of state who I just talked to last week of Ohio, the first sentence of that says here in Ohio, we make it easy to vote and hard to cheat. <laughs> Oh. So it's the application that you have. Okay. So you need a lot of information I don't, I don't to send. Here you need any kind of additional. And I don't know. They send it out to you. You just fill it out and uh, you send it back. And they, they don't check whether you're a citizen. They don't check whether you're voting validly. Right. They don't check for a license. You just fill out the ballot, whatever you want to do in this. Okay. Well, the feds sent you that notice on your phone for the power charging to get us off the fatherless home topic that we were killing at the moment. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, and, yeah, I, and well, I can't stress enough how important that is and what this whole show should be based around. Yeah. And let's get, let's get back to that. Right. So what's the fix here? I mean, in a perfect world. Okay. Kevin, you're king of yeah. the world, king of the world. Yeah. You don't need Congress. You don't need anybody. You can just, you can make the rules. There's God. And so then there's you. The fix. Yeah. Here's, so, here's so, the fix. 
Yeah, what's the fix? Here's the fix. So one of the things I would do to restore the family is I would incentivize marriages. So even if, so if you're a poor family, as opposed to doing the LBJ model, where you, uh, you kick the man out to make sure you can maximize your check from the government. For those that are uh, still on that quote unquote safety net of welfare, what we do is we, every, if you get married, if you have at least one of your children from that man you just married, we're going to increase, you know, whatever you get from the government if you're still in that safety net situation quote unquote safety net. Some people have been in a safety net for generations. So mm-hmm. it's, it's well beyond that, but that notwithstanding, I would change the model completely right now. The model is still based on LBJ's. Hey, we don't have them in words voting for us for the next 200 years. First thing he did was make sure that all of you know, there's no men in the home. That's why we have the systemic problem. That was so an actual I would, quote. I don't think people realize that that yeah. was an actual, no, was quote, an actual quote from LBJ. Absolutely was. We Absolutely will have was. these, I mean, God, you know what? I'll let somebody else say the quote because was it though, ninjas? No, it wasn't no. ninjas. I'll let somebody yeah, else no. say the quote, but you, so. you know what? You almost need to say the word. I think you need to say the word to understand the depravity of the democratic party. That, that, I think these people know when you say the N word, yeah, he said oh, the N word with, with emphasis. He said, look, we're going to have them. Man. Voting, you know, so anyway. You know, here's, me and Dan talk about this all the time. I mean, it's to the point that you can't say the word now, right? You can't because you're stigmatized by saying it and you are a black man. You still can't say it. And now imagine two white guys here in Ohio that are running this podcast. Well, listen, buddy, we sure as shit ain't going to say it. I can tell you that right now. Right. 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 (laughs) Dan was just talking about that. I I, I can say it and I will, uh, but I don't want to ruin the sensibility. Of your, uh, oh, so, no, no, uh, yeah, you, you need to go back a couple episodes. Listen, yeah. we, we, our, our listeners don't have sensibilities. We are, we are Donald, Donald Trump incarnate. Um, there you go. I mean, there we, go, we, we say what needs to be said. I'll tell you, I, I am a police officer. Uh, currently been, been working for 29 oh, years. You're a cop, bro. I am. You didn't know. No, oh. <laughs> oh. I knew I didn't like him. Well, this dude rolled up. <laughs> I knew I didn't like it. Dwayne just, Dwayne just ran out. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> dude, Dwayne rolled up in a crown Vic. I thought he's a snitch for sure, dude. <laughs> 2003, baby. <laughs> running, running like a champ. <laughs> but no, I, you know, I, I am. I, I, and I've been in law enforcement for 29 years and, and when we started this podcast, man, I was like, this literally could be the death of me, right? This could be it. I mean, because we're going to say stuff. We're going to talk about stuff. We don't shy away from anything here. We say yeah, right. the stuff that needs to be said. And if that means that my administration eventually comes to me and says, look, too much heat. You got to stop this. I'll retire. I mean, okay. Yeah. I mean, I had a good run. But, but guess you know what? what? Staff shortages, bro. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> if I retire, who's going to fill in? Nobody. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> but you I know mean, what? I, I mean, you have some pretty good uh, longevity. We, we're just to the point now where you can't sit back and be quiet anymore, right? The, yeah, Dwayne, right. Green, the Dwayne Greens of the world need to step up and need to say, look, no more. <laughs> y'all, right. y'all black folks, we are being led astray. You know, you want to talk about being in chains? It's the Democrats that are putting us in chains. That's right. Donald Trump broke those chains. Exactly. Joe Biden welded them back together. So what about what about what about a conservative black church? Is that is that a thing yet? uh, There's a few. There's there's a couple. I don't want to say a few. There's a couple. What about where you're at, Dwayne? 
I haven't looked for none. I really, <laughs> I mean, I, that's this, where it starts, right? Exactly. I believe that it starts with the the ministers and pastors and people getting back to a biblical based ideology in their lives. Because I think we got away from, I am a son of God. I made in his image, in his likeness, but we see ourselves as something less. We see ourselves less than white people where I say, no, I'm, at least equal to you. Now, don't get me wrong. There's some people I look at, I'm like, yeah, I'm better off than that guy, you know. But but in all, in all, we're all equal. And somehow, yeah. some way, we don't think that we're equal with white people. We think we're less than, and we don't see ourselves as the way God sees us. Yeah, we all have the same yeah. digestive tract. We're all bleeding yes. the same color. Yeah. We're, mm-hmm. If you bury Listen. us both next to each other and dug us up in 100 years, Dwayne, our bones would be the same. Dwayne is not right. He is not equal to me. Dwayne is definitely <laughs> above me. Whatever Dwayne knows how to build a house. He can take he can take a hammer and some nails and build no, an entire house. No, I can house. supervise the building a house. <laughs> <laughs> Dwayne works for a builder. I, I literally, no, huh? yeah, I can't do anything. Dwayne... Uh, Dwayne built some nice houses. It's genetic genetics with Jim. <laughs> it is genetics. My dad. Oh. But no, you're right. But you let, are, me, let me finish this thought, though, on the father. Okay. Yeah, so yeah, I'll yeah, for sure. Sorry, this so, is what we do. We have so AD, here's the thing. ADHD. So, so the first thing that w- was that is I changed the model. The second thing I do is I'd help all fathers know that your children are at an existential risk right now of losing their soul, losing their life, because they're not connected to you. We understand there's a hookup culture. We understand that a lot of you fathers have two, three, four different babies and baby mamas you got to deal with, and it's not going to happen where you can have a nuclear family. We get it. That's just the way the culture is now. We understand it. But what we would encourage is that you at least remain connected to that baby. Remain connected to that child, because here's what happens. Once they can can see that they actually have a father, they actually have somebody else other than mama who they've been seeing from day one that cares for them, that loves them, that will help them, encourage them. Uh, then when they start going woke with this transgender stuff and start thinking about these other things, the school is trying to get them to, oh, to do these crazy perversions for homework. That father figure say, no, no, baby, uh, look, uh, that's, that's wrong. Uh, and then... Whether that father is actually has his whole life together or not, what I encourage fathers, uh, you're the perfect example for your child, whether you think so or not. My father was a runaway alcoholic. He set a wonderful example for me of what not to do. I don't begrudge my growing up with him being an alcoholic every day. I thank him because I know I had that sort of gene that, boy, in my family, we can go there with alcohol. And and it taught me so much about how to treat my wife, how to not you know, drink and, and all these other things that could be a real susceptibility in my family. And then I taught my son. So his example was wonderful. So we encourage fathers, look, just show up. It doesn't matter. You don't have to get your life together to meet your kids. You just meet them. Just say, look, hey, I'm, I'm practically homeless. But here, here's your daddy. This is it. This is what I got. Here's, and, uh, here's the mistakes I made. Here's the mistakes I made. My my mistakes are on my sleeve. You see what's happening with me. Uh, but you know that means that that could set a wonderful standard for children. So so and what's the percentage make, right now of of uh, black fatherless homes? Seven, uh, somewhere around 18, uh, 17, 18 percent. And then the nineteen thirties to nineteen fifties 
example, 18%, 18% that have the father in the home? That have the father in the okay. home. Correct. Okay. So that means you have approximately 82% without. God, now, man. it was completely flipped only, what, 60, 70 years ago, 1950 or so. We had 90% approximately of intact homes with fathers inside the homes. Uh, when LBJ did his dirty deeds and, and put out that proclamation that this is how they were going to run the black community and have us vote Democrat, that thing changed within a, you know, a decade or so. And the and Temptations made the song. Told you. Papa <laughs> yeah. was a Rolling Stone. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Well, you know what? You joke about it, though. But, I mean, that was... That's culture then. That was the first point of glamorizing. They're listening, right. They're listening to the temptations and Mm -hmm. right. Exactly. It's just like now with rap music and the the kids, right. They want to emulate what they see. Uh, White man's world by Tupac, right. All these kids are listening (laughs) to Tupac. They're listening to white man's world and they're thinking and listening to everything he's saying about it. You know, Mm -hmm. well, really, I mean, you want to talk about Tupac, you want to talk about rappers, you want to talk about, I mean, they are every bit as powerful as a minister for those kids. Oh, Absolutely. Absolutely. More powerful than a minister because uh, rappers rap every day. A minister, you're going to see at best once, you know, maybe a twice. Sunday, maybe maybe two Sundays yeah. a month. And you, and half them gotta, kids ain't going to church anyway. Yeah, half of them are not going, or more than half now. Right. I mean, you know, church is kind of a thing of the past now. It's well, just terrible. Well, it's almost, happening. to me, there's almost, some churches, there's no, almost no reason to go to the church because yeah, they're that's not true. That's teaching true. biblical truths. They, they won't that's step exactly up. exactly right. And, and say anything that's about what's going on, but yet they tell me to go bear the cross of everything else when they're living up in their sealed houses, you know, mm-hmm. and they say, tell me, oh, you got to stand up for this. You got to stand up for that. And before how, you go, toss us off for him. Yeah, 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 yeah. How, yeah. How, about, how about you go out there? I just, Harvest Ridge just had a Harvest party in the park. Yeah. It's like, where the black church is at? Where, why aren't they right. having these little festivals? Harvest and stuff? Ridge out here is a, I mean, I would. Probably, if not all white, yeah, 99.9% white. Yeah. It's a church out here. It's a large church out here. And every Labor Day, they have a party in the park. Yeah. They bring people in. They have Whoa. fireworks. And they are handing out their literature. And they're saying, listen, if you don't believe in God, that's fine. You're who we want. Come on. Dude, they got some, he has some Whoa. deep beliefs that goes on. Yeah. You know, and he'll point out, tell you. But we hide from it. And and it's no wonder why they are so afraid to be part of the Republican Party that they will put up with the nonsense. They will put up with yep. the LGBTQs and all this other trends. And it just gets crazier and crazier, and they yeah. just accept it and yeah. accept it. Yeah, it doesn't matter. And and until we change our mindset and the church, I don't I don't see how it's changing. All right, I don't. So so we're incentivizing marriage. Yep, that's what, what, oh, you're talking back, talking to King Kev again? <laughs> yep, yep. King Kev is incentivizing marriage. King Kevin, he has incentivized marriage. What's next, Kevin? So we incentivize marriage, we incentivize uh, fatherhood and connecting with their children, and uh, number three is we make sure that there are school choice programs across oh, this country, yes. every community, everywhere. Yes, the number one thing that our children are being decimated with right now is this indoctrination about that, that just causes gender confusion and gender dysphoria. Mom can't afford and, to get out of the public schools, but knows what the public school is doing is bad exactly. for her kids. But you know what? What can I do? What can I what, do? What, I don't and, have any money. And so we have black and brown children that are literally handcuffed to the teachers union. And teachers union just use the, these communities for their own benefit. And it's just terrible what's happening right now. 
So I would make sure that every child in America, every parent has the ability to just choose. It's fine. Give them a voucher. And, uh, you know, you can use it here or there. You know, you got to use it at an accredited uh, education facility or home, a homeschool network or something. But uh, this is how you can use it. And this is how you can uh, be encouraged by your, giving your kid alternate platforms for, uh, for education. Uh, that's vital. Right now, I don't know if you guys have seen the comprehensive sex education, but it is unbelievably gross. It's the most vile, disgusting things you could ever imagine a child having to learn. Hmm. Uh, believe me, guys. And it is all us boys on this phone, man. I can't, I'd be embarrassed to tell you what's in there. I mean, it is, it is horrendous. Well, and you got the uh, Biden administration now trying to, trying to change Title IX. Yeah. Uh, you know, trying to make it so that however you choose to identify as. Now, look, it's male or female. That's it. Right. I mean, everybody That's knows it. that you go to a go to a kindergartner right now or go to go to a preschooler and show them two dolls and say, which one's a boy? They know who a boy is. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But then they yeah. get to school and the school's like, look, and you don't have to be a boy or a girl. There's like a hundred. Yeah. What is it? One hundred and sixty different genders you can choose like, from. You want to be a cat? Yeah. We'll put a litter box in here for you. You can be a cat. We'll call you by cat name. What do you want to be called? Right. It's, it's ridiculous. It is absolutely unbelievable. And our last, our last episode, two episodes ago, two episodes ago was January little John. Do you know her story out there in Florida? Yep. We had January little John and her, uh, her attorney on. And what happened to her was absolutely, I mean, just appalling, appalling. Wow. And, and, and they're taking that fight, man. Um, uh, Vernadette Broyles from the, uh, childparentrights.org. Is it? I, yeah, I think that was a childparentrights.org, but they're taking that fight, man. They're taking the title nine fight. I, I, I don't wish I was them. I can tell you that because they are jumping in with, into the Leviathan, man. I mean, they are, they got a fight ahead of them. So I agree with you a hundred percent. These kids, these underprivileged kids absolutely need to be given the same chances. Now, We've said on this show, I know that black folks are are certainly fighting a harder fight than white folks are, right? There is something to be said for white privilege. There is. Yeah. And I, I think everybody's in agreement with that. What I don't believe in is systemic racism. I don't believe that the that the system is necessarily stacked against them. Uh, when you're talking law enforcement, the government is certainly stacked against them, the Democratic side of the government, at least. You get them into a conservative side of the government, and I think I think they do fantastic. I, I think the entire race is built up. If you would leave Donald Trump in there and let him continue his work, I think that black families across this country will see an immediate improvement in their quality of life. The easiest way to do that, though, school choice for sure, right? This generation, look, we know you got the shaft, right? We know that you're probably not going to dig out of this hole, but let's get your right. kids out. Let's, let's put this ladder in the hole and get your kids out of this hole. Right. And the way to do that exactly. is school choice. hundred percent. Um, let's talk about your books, man. Let's talk about the book. You got what? Five of them out. Five of them. Dude, that's yes, like an accomplished, that's like an accomplished author right there. Jeez. <laughs> you're, doing some, you're doing some work. Uh, how about the last one man how about the last one last one last one is woke up that came out when for this uh two weeks ago oh maybe three weeks going on three weeks okay yeah so it's just just now so it's woke up w w o k e d up woke up by uh kevin mcgarry Mm -hmm. and the subtopic is finally putting an axe to the taproot 
of white supremacy and racism in America. The motivation was all these wokesters, man, they're always pointing fingers. Oh, you're white supremacist, you're a racist, you're privileged, you're and uh so and I know going into another political season that we're gonna hear the same old stuff, right? So I said, you know, it'd be interesting to kind of really dig into this this woke nomenclature and really try to figure out the 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 base, you know, what what does it really mean, where does it come from? So I, you know, every, no one will argue that wokeism is synonymous with Marxism. So I said, okay, I'll start with Marx. And then I thought, no, 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 Marx didn't, you know, his ideas and his philosophies came from somewhere. Somebody mentored, tutored him. Who was that? So I started there with that person. Do you guys know who that person was? I don't. Charles Robert Darwin. Dar- uh, it's Darwin? Are you kidding? Yep. Huh. Nope. Unbelievable. I didn't I didn't really see the connection either. And then I started to look and realize that Marx and Engels, all of their published works, their first works were dedicated to Darwin. He says, look, I wouldn't be able to do any of this stuff if I didn't, you know, if Darwin didn't, didn't do what he did and provide me the mentorship and tutelage and whatever. Did, when when you say mentorship, I mean, did Darwin actually mentor him or was he just following no. Darwin's works? No, he was following Darwin's work. I think by the time Marx started to get his stuff published in the early 1900s, oh, uh, Darwin was uh, was probably gone. Yeah. So I don't I don't know if they I don't know if they ever met, but he felt like his whole inspiration, uh, both he and Engels, the whole inspiration for their their philosophies, ideas, and all of that were were Darwinistic. So he took Darwin's work and then he really pressed the uh, pedal to the metal. But here's the thing. So people, you know, when I gave that title to my wife, she says, there's no way you can do that. <laughs> you know, white supremacy, racism, these are things that have been around since the fall of the uh, fall of man in the Garden of Eden. I said, yeah, they have been. But I said, there was only one person that declared it so. So we're talking about language and how language is used. So prior to Darwin making his proclamation, which I'll tell you this what his proclamation was in a minute, but prior to him actually proclaiming it, yeah, so we had people that were racist against other tribes. We had, you know, tribalism. We had, you know, then as we went further, we had ethnicities. You run into somebody of a different ethnicity, you would, you know, maybe shrink back. You didn't know. You you know, you yeah, I mean, this is human nature. People feel it, whatever they feel. So we did have, you know, discrimination, racism, whatever. And, and, it's, and then plus in the 1800s, we had slavery. So clearly... We had whites thinking they were superior over blacks to the extent that they would enslave them. So that was going on, but there was no distinction for it. So in other words, it was opportunistic. So when people found and ran into people that they didn't know or they didn't like or people felt a certain way, it wasn't a well-thought-out thought. It wasn't a, a scientific notion that this person is this way and therefore I need to feel this way. It was opportunistic. It was like, well, I just don't like that person. I don't like those people. I don't, you know, whatever. Here's what Darwin did. Uh, now, Darwin was motivated by another guy that you probably are familiar with. His name is Thomas Malthus. Thomas Malthus is a radical, was the radical pioneer of environmentalism. His idea was, look, um, we have a finite world. We have finite resources. We, we have limited resources, scarcity of resources. And we have all these ethnicities that are uh, sort of encumbering on our supremacy. 
So he was such a supremacist and paranoid that he married his first cousin because he wanted he didn't want to um, sort of diffuse the intellectual capacities or resourcefulness within his family. So he felt like, hey, if I marry my first cousin, we, you know, we can maintain this, this sort of supreme genetic you know, outcomes. So that was Thomas Malthus. That was the first cousin of Charles Darwin. So when Darwin starts his work, Malthus says to him, hey, look, um, you know, I know you have natural selection, survival of the fittest, all of these types of things. Um, but, you know, we, and that's great because it really feeds into my narrative about, you know, scarcity of resources and trying to be able to protect the planet and blah, blah, blah. He says, so what, what I've done with Malthus was a statistician. He, he, did, he looked at ethnicities and the population growth between ethnicities. And he says, look, our, our white, pure white Aryan Caucasian race is at risk, especially when we talk about survival of the fittest, because we have all these other ethnicities outnumbering us. We have limited resources and blah, blah, blah. So Darwin infuses in his work, even though it had been proven earlier by Johann Friedrich Blumenbach, that races existed primarily based on uh, geography, not not skin color. But he had found no distinction, no uh, intellectual or cognitive distinction between blacks and any other races. This is what Blumenbach found in 1770. Same discipline as Darwin. Darwin knew about Blumenbach's work, but Darwin went headstrong with Malthus, his first cousin, who mentored him and told him how to infuse this. So he says, okay, great. Here's what we're going to do. If you read The Descent of Man, you'll see what he did. He says, look, we pure white Aryan Caucasian Europeans are at the top of the food chain. We have the most intellectual capacity. We are the most resourceful. We are the most capable, blah, blah, blah. All other ethnicities are not as they, they haven't evolved. They're not as superior as ours. He says the, the least evolved is blacks. He said blacks are gorillas or are, are, are subhuman. They're, they, they're tantamount to gorillas, apes, and savages. This is in Darwin's work, in his own writing. So that right there, that separation, you know, white supremacy, hey, we have a supreme, you know, we need to protect our sort of gene pool and blah, blah, blah. And he makes this distinction about blacks, clearly racist, right? Knowing that there was no distinction because Blumenbach work proved it. So it was Charles Darwin that literally hatched this and gave it ontological and anthropological distinction. It's the first time in human history. Uh, whites then, especially those in the South, were like, oh, oh, wait, hey, wait, yeah, this is right. We were doing the right thing. Slavery is great. We can continue this. These people are subhuman. We have no problem here. We, you know, and, and, uh, and that, I have no doubt that that elongated slavery it made the, made the, transitioned much tougher because people believed every word that Darwin said. These people are subhuman. What were we, what are we having a, what are we talking about here? There's no big deal. Right. So are you saying that, so, that this is the stepping off point? This is it. Darwin this is, is it. This is the point right here where right here. all of our problems. This is it. Darwin Listen, is I'm going to tell you when you started all this and you're throwing out all these names, I was like, Oh my God, I'm having trouble following all this. <laughs> you know what this was? I'm not, this is like a movie that comes together in the last 15 minutes. Seriously. <laughs> when you got to yeah. that point, I'm like, oh my God. 
Yeah. And the reason why I gave you all those names is so you know that Darwin was influenced by his cousin, these people around him that really changed and purposely, even though he knew about Blumenbach's work, that there was no cognitive intellectual distinction. You can't say that Darwin was not a racist. You can't say that he was not a supremacist. It's impossible because he knew the work that was done beforehand that proved that blacks were the same cognitively. But he he needed to sort of uh, take take on the the role of trying to help scientifically justify people being subhuman and therefore eliminated. Racial extermination was literally brought into the forefront with Darwin. A lot of people don't know, but if you look at Hitler, and this is what I do in the book, you'll see it. Look at Hitler's comments. Look at Stalin's. You look at Lenin's. You look at Pol Pot. You look at uh, Mao, all of them, every last one of them, these genocidal despots gave credence to Darwin's work. It was justified because of Darwin. This guy did it. So he not only ju- he not only gave scientific justification, the first time in human history for, quote unquote, uh, racism and white supremacy. But he then, for every genocidal despot, racial extermination was given scientific justification. Oh, no, we can exterminate the Jews. They're not, you know, they're lower on the scale. We're, 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 we have to protect our pure German or pure Aryan whatever, uh, you know, lineage here. This is just, you know, survival of the fittest. It's fine. Um, so all of those. And then his younger cousin, a lot of people don't know this, his younger cousin, Francis Galton was a statistician as well. And, and Francis said, look, um, you know, we, we, we've done this and you're given these, but you know, we really need to come up with a better way to make sure that everybody understands they can get rid of anybody that's infirmed, anybody that's black, anybody that's, you know, these other populations that are less than the pure Aryans. And so he and his first cousin, Francis Galton come up with the term eugenics, Margaret eugenics, Sanger. literally, yeah, well, eugenics literally means well-born. This is the fathers of eugenics are Francis Galton and Charles Darwin. They literally started out of whole cloth. There was no justification whatsoever. So when we have these people with hair on fire talking about, oh, you know, woman's right to choose. And I'm looking at them and I'm saying, you fool. Do you understand that if you are all in on abortion in total, whether it's in the black community or not, it doesn't matter. Abortion is there to protect white supremacy and ra- it is racist. It, it, it is. It, it, that's why it was created. You guys understand this wasn't created of any actual justification, no science, nothing. It was created from two guys that said, look, we need to protect white supremacy. And that's why abortion is here today. I hope you understand what I'm saying. Oh, I do. I do. I like how someone in the review said um, of the book, I've already known most of the individual facts presented in this book, but I've never seen the big picture the way McGarry puts it together. And like, just well, like just like he said right there at the end, he, he drove it home. I'll tell you what. I'm one of those that's guilty of as soon as somebody starts talking about white supremacy, oh, abortion's steeped in white supremacy, but they can't explain why. I, I just roll my eyes. I'm and, like, and oh, then just yeah, tone them out. Here we go. Here we go. Right. All white people are racist. Blah, blah, blah. Right. Right. And th- right. While they may be right, they didn't know how to explain it. 
Yeah. And, and so the, this is where you turn it on its, on its head. When those workers come to you and say, oh, you're a white supremacist because you don't you don't believe in women's rights. Union. Now you have actual text because it is, everything's footnoted. Uh, so you'll be able to go chapter and verse wherever they said it. You'll be go to the, able to go to their letters wherever they wrote it. And you'll be able to tell your friends, family and community works. No, no, no. Uh, since you are pro abort, you. By definition, I'm not doing it ad hominem with you, but you, ma'am, you are the white supremacist and the racist. And then you'll be able to explain to them exactly why. All right. Let me let me tell you what what I'm excited about right now. I'm excited that Dwayne's going to order your book. And then I can't oh. wait to see his next posts. <laughs> Dwayne is going to be fighting with man online is going to be on fire. You're going to want a friend request Dwayne. I'm telling you that right now. I'm going to have to let him be, in the top hundo. Yeah. Dwayne's going to be throwing out fire here in a little bit. Dwayne, I can already see while you're talking, man, Dwayne's just shaking his head. You think, you think Auntie B will read the book? Shit. She's going to get the, she's going to get the gist of the book from Dwayne. I can tell you that. She won't yeah, absolutely listen. Absolutely, she will. I already told her about Margaret Sanger and and how she was mixed up with the uh, how she all started. I I didn't go as that deep like you said, but <laughs> I knew she was steeped in racism and she always believed in systemic racism. I'm like, that is Margaret Sanger believed systemic in systemic racism. Right. I mean, and, she actually this is uh, abortion was started. Yes. Yep. Uh, just to. Just to kill off. Exterminate other ethnicities, all other ethnicities. Right. Give it scientific justification for it. That's why it was started. And and I'd also like to point out, just so I don't look stupid, um, that uh, Charles Darwin died April 19th, 1882. Karl Marx, March 14th, 1883. So it is very possible that they did talk. Yeah. 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 It's very possible. Wow. Yeah. yeah, I was I worried when I said that. I'm like, oh. but I didn't know that they were in the same room. I didn't read anything. Where they yeah, were in the same room. yeah, but yeah, but they were they were born in that same era around the same time. Uh, their works were uh, now Marx's works didn't really take root and take off until you know in the early 1900s. Sure. That's when it really right. Yeah. But uh, because he was a you know Marx was a despicable. If there is anybody in the flesh who actually. Uh, lines up with demonism it is marx i've never read such a caricature of a person that literally fits a, a demon in the flesh this guy was unbelievable uh even engel said looks you know marx is like he's possessed with ten thousand demons he was always raging he had boils over a hundred percent of his body big boils hurt pussy filled boils over his body for about 25 years of his life until the end. He was a sexist. He, he pioneered, no doubt, sex slavery. He, uh, he had a live-in maid, didn't pay her a plug nickel while she slaved for his entire, slaved for his entire family, cleaning the house behind me, him and all those kids. Um, and he didn't pay her a plug nickel, but he did get her pregnant. So they had an illegitimate child, a son together. He plugged something. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So he was a go. literal Sorry. sex slavery, misogynist, sexist. He was the worst of the worst kind of human being you could imagine. For anybody to proudly say, like BLM or say, we're proud Marxist, revolutionary Marxist, you idiots. You, you know what you're lining up with? This guy was... Huh. He was just incredibly horrid. And uh, these people, you know, are all in. 
It's unbelievable. Uh, I'm reading thecommunist.org right now, celebrating 200 years since the birth of Karl Marx. They're just loving on him, loving on him. But I tell you, Kev, this this has been a real treat having you on, man, and and it's been cool having Dwayne with us too. I think. Oh, wait a uh, minute! Don't don't think you're done. I'm going to be calling you here shortly. I'm going to be calling you before (laughs) November. I can tell you that. Call away, baby. Yeah, man, we're gonna we're we're gonna have a little talk before November. Uh, Love to do it. They are being misled. Yep. The, uh, the black community is being misled. And when our Pod Bless America um, subscribers do buy your book, you're going to have to personalize it for them. Uh, <laughs> I hope they have a way to do that. <laughs> Let me know. Uh, come to one of my events, man. Let's get some events out in Ohio. Why don't you guys do a Remnant Rising event there? And then, you know, when I come there, you got, you know, we'll just do it. All right. Well, well you, you know, know what? We'll be in Rising, touch with here's, you. Here's the deal for that type of event. All you need is. Get me a church or a fellowship hall or something like that. Promise me at least 50 to 100 people. You know, I'll come and, and, and on a Saturday, we do a whole day of anti-CRT training, anti-black liberation theology and liberation theology, uh, and then a social justice versus biblical justice, uh, compare and contrast. We also go into wokeism, uh, and, and we do it, man. I mean, you know. Just I just pointed. I just people. pointed at Dwayne to get his church, and his eyes got real big. He's like, "Hold on, bro. I don't know. If this is gonna. <laughs> I don't know, man. Uh, you know what? I may yeah. have a church. I may have a church of mine uh, in yeah. Cleveland. So, it is a know, conservative it'd be pastor. Easy to get me there. Uh, just put it together. Give me a hundred people, man. Make it worthwhile, and I'll come out and spend a weekend with you guys, man. I like to sign all the books. And all right. So and hey, then man, you'll we'll, be live in studio. We, yeah, yeah. Well, we'll have to get a new studio. I feel like <laughs> we're working on that. Uh, so uh, let's wrap this thing up with how, how do people get in touch with you, man? And and where do people find your books? Uh, find the books on Amazon. Okay, you just type in "woked up McGarry" M C G A R Y. I think if you even type in "woked up Kevin." It'll come up. Don't try. So, it. Just uh, put the whole name in there. That's what I had to do. <laughs> the whole name. Kevin M C G A R Y McGarry Indiana. That's how I remember. McGarry, there you <laughs> <go>. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, so you just type that in, man, and it'll come up, and it'll get to you in a couple of days. They're shipping, uh, and this is like a well. The, the signed copies might take a little longer. Is there right? is there uh, anywhere they can buy them where you get more of the money? Where Amazon's not getting the cut, or no? Are you doing everything through Amazon right now? Uh, I do everything for convenience sake. It's best for me to just do everything through Amazon. Okay. I don't want to be. I don't have the administration to be taking orders and trying to figure out how to ship it out and send it to people. I don't want to. So how about every BLM? Uh, where does everybody get a hold of you there? And what can they do to uh, help out with the mission? Excellent. I appreciate that. Everyblm.com, everyblm.com. And what you do is you go into the website and you look under resources, you look under partner. Uh, you can partner with us there. We have a, we'll give you exclusive content and special exclusive uh offers and all that kind of stuff. You have access to uh, past trainings and all that kind of stuff if you become a partner. So it's easy to partner with us. And then also you can uh, just pray for us and support us. So you can do a one-time donation if you like and help us to really get this word out. We are standing, absolutely standing against. Uh, we are at the tip of the spear, by the way. Uh, no one goes out that I'm aware of. And there's a lot of black conservative organizations Nobody goes out like we do and confront directly head on uh, critical race theory because there's a lot of people in the black community that love CRT. Uh, I don't I don't care who you are, uh, whether you're in the black church, white church, whatever. We're going to come out. We're going to tell you about the demonic nature of critical race theory, period. 
and you're going you're gonna to have a whole new understanding. So we go out, we're at the tip of the spear, we're glad to do it, and we confront this thing head on. And uh, uh, no one does that. So this is a great opportunity for people who really want to start to combat the, the, the pressures of culture. Uh, that are coming after our children, uh, that are coming after our communities via CRT and all these other things, and, and the whole woke movement in general. This is a great investment. You can invest in us. We'll go out and we advocate for parents. We advocate for students. We advocate for the community. We advocate uh, against woke pastors. Uh, so we do all that kind of hard work, and uh, that's what keeps us going. Awesome, so this man. is a great opportunity to partner with us and, and, and see some great fruit come out of it. Right and on. I always make the joke, but this isn't a joke here. Oh, when I tell Kev, you're doing the Lord's work, bro. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for real. You are doing the Lord's work, man. I always oh, well, use that joke on other... everyone that's not doing it for the right reasons, you know, just that's to make right. a joke. But that is not a joke. I appreciate you. We, we are doing the Lord's work. You're absolutely right. One, one other thing, if you want to follow us uh, on a day-to-day basis, I do shorts, uh, one-minute shorts on current events. Every single day on YouTube, uh, the, yeah, on YouTube via our y'all W A L L woke up university, y'all woke up university. And, um, so you go there, subscribe. We need as many subscribers as we can get subscribed there. Uh, we've only been doing that for about two, two and a half weeks. We have, uh, well over a thousand subscribers, thousands of watch hour. I mean, you know, the people are eating this stuff up. So if you go there, you'll get my shorts every day, my take on what's happening. Today I did a short on a couple of them on Obama and uh, uh, Biden and his, uh, you know, uh, craziness. So um, so that's a good way to kind of get a non-woke version of current events and news uh, because I'm, I'm, I'm hitting the top stories. Uh, I try to try to hit at least some of the top stories and get that out in a non-woke uh, way in one minute. So, you know, shorts on one minute. So um, that's a good way to follow me there, All right. uh, and get my take on things. So, yeah, we'll, we'll, yeah. Uh, we'll actually, when we post this episode, we'll post the link for it. And I just yeah. subscribe because I'm a, I'm a go-getter. Because <laughs> Dan's, go. Dan's a doer. He's not a talker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Kevin, man, right. listen, we appreciate you, brother. We do. Uh, right. You're putting yes. in good work, man. And uh, oh, thank you. And hopefully uh, we'll be back in touch with you as we get closer to November. I'd love to get your take on a few things that are coming up. And I want to talk to you about Frederick, uh, Frederick Douglass, you know, uh, absolutely. That was I'm an amazing, an amazing story. Absolutely. Glad to come on so, anytime guys. All really right. Appreciate it. All right, brother. Hey, all right. Thanks for the time, man. Take care of yourself. Right, yeah, you're welcome. Right. You guys have a great night. Yeah, you too. All right. All right. Bye-bye. All right. Bye now. All right, Dwayne, what do you think, man? You say you come sit in. You said as long as you don't become a charlatan and steal from all the people like everybody else does. That's what's scary about big groups like that. All right. What do you think? He seemed like he's legit. Yeah? Yeah. You like what right. he says? But but you got to push that big rock up the hill to sell it to the rest of the black people that think you're already crazy <laughs> right. for even listening they to us. They ain't going to listen ass. to us. What? Dude, not- you got work to put in. <laughs> you know what's wrong. You know what's wrong, They Dwayne. know what's wrong. But yes, but I don't know how you reach them. I Dwayne, you I, keep talking, man. That's the only thing you can do and just hopes. You talk to people at church? I don't go to a predominantly black church. Uh-huh. I don't. So most of the churches I go to are, I went to one in Columbia Station, didn't end out too well. 
<laughs> then another oh, one. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, but. Uh, you know, what you got going for you that we don't, right? Nobody's going to listen to a couple white guys. What you got going for you right there is the skin color. And that's when you use being black that gets you into doors that gets you in to be able to talk to these folks. But you don't understand. They will. I believe they'll hate me more than they would a white person coming in. Well, because I believe they consider that. that, you know, but what if you touch one person, but you what have if you to touch- take the message to them. And I think don't touch me. Yeah. <laughs> you have to take the message to the people. And I think that's what a bad uh, Republicans did a bad job at that. Like I know what? 90, 5% of black people vote Democrat or something. So they Republicans just like, you know, yeah, but 26% of the black population votes. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> right. you know what right. I mean? yeah, that is true. And they're only 12% of the population. Yeah. So now yeah. you're talking 25% of 12%. Yeah. yeah. Right. But they right. will not go into the neighborhoods and actually canvas and yeah, well, yeah, and, and you know what? And, and that's probably, that's a good point because the Republicans assume that look, man, it's a lost, lost cause. cause. Yeah, yeah. Why should I waste my time in these black neighborhoods? Well, you look at what, how they did Trump. Uh, Trump had money on the board with ice cube. I forgot how much it was, but he, he's like, Hey, we're going to invest this in black communities. Met with ice cube, did this, did that. They knew it was coming. They dogged ice cube for meeting with, uh, yeah. Trump. Yeah. They shamed him. Yeah. And then Biden said, Hey man, we'll meet with you after the election. We're not going to meet with you before the election. And so it's like, and so dude, it's, it's a also, long road back. It's also man. dirty. <laughs> I know. It's also dirty, man. <laughs> but you're uh, pushing, you're pushing that rock uphill without a lot of help. And I, I appreciate what you're doing. Jim sees what you're doing. I do, man. And listen, I know that you say you can't touch Auntie B, man, you're putting a good fight in with her. I, she just refuses to listen. But, she she but knows you know the what? truth. She knows the truth. But you keep saying the truth. You can't just give up and just let her right, live right. in her lie. If she's going to come to your page and spout that untruth, it is up to you to give her the truth. If she chooses not to listen to that truth and not to do anything with that truth, that's not on you. But you at least will be able to look back at the end of the day and say, look, man, I did everything I could. I told her what was coming. I told her what's holding her down. I told her what's holding her family down. That ain't on me. All right. She chose not to listen. Right? The same thing. Same thing with the word. Yes. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. All you can do is take the word of God to people. If they choose not to they listen, it, they don't accept it. That right? ain't your problem. But you've done your part. You've told them. Same thing, man. Same thing. I've heard people say in the past, and maybe you can uh, help me understand this if it's true. Uh, some black dudes that I've met said that the most racist people they know are like 80, 90 year old black dudes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I don't even think they got to be that old. <laughs> they just, but to be truthful, they have a different perspective and they can't let go. Yeah. And, and I think that's the biggest problem that we face. We can't let go of situations that happen. And I've always hoped, even as a kid, like I always thought, you know, we're going to separate so far from it. After hundreds and hundreds of years on this country, it's going to be, it's going to be, you know, chocolate milk. Everyone's going to be. Just tan. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's, just, you know, then, then what? Then it's just the, you know, then the, the, the light It'll skin, the light yeah, skin people light are going to get prosecuted. I, I made fun of my kids for being light skin. So. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? That's the problem though, right? Dan's right. Right now it's, it's black and white. Yeah. Right. That, then uh, all of a sudden it's going to be like, look, man, people with, right. people with brown hair. Right. Uh, or, uh, or war, a straight war on gingers. Yes. <laughs> 
Because if you were like a ginger with freckles in, in, in the black community. Oh, you were, that's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, it, you know, and then if you bring them over to the white community, they're like, they're like, oh, yeah. oh, it's so, you know, you got, you can't go out in the sun for that long. Come on. You know, buddy. though, it's organizations like BLM, though, that further this divide it, it, that, that that make white folks resent black folks yes. and, and vice versa. It's, sure. it, it's too much money in it. It's way too much money in racism. I no, mean, there is. you look there at is. Uh, the Reverend Jesse Jackson and Al oh. Sharpton, how much they could stay around. And uh, have you ever and heard it? Has Al Sharpton paid his taxes yet? Uh, probably does anybody not. know? Wait no. till they hire the 87,000 IRS agents and maybe <laughs> no. they'll, they'll go after it. Al Sharpton. Maybe. Uh, have you ever heard a message from Al Sharpton or Reverend Jesse Jackson? No. That's what I mean, isn't no. it? Do they? I, no. I, the only message I ever hear from them is division. Yeah. That's it. I, I never heard a godly preach nope. message from but yet they... No, nope. carry the name. I mean, Reverend. Reverend, can we start calling you Reverend? Reverend, if you want to, yeah. man. All right, Reverend. All right, man. We appreciate you guys all being here. We're here with Reverend Green today. <laughs> you know what? I'm calling you Reverend for the rest of my life. I don't even care. Every time Rev. I see you, I'm gonna be like, "What's up, Reverend?" The Rev. And then every time I say that, if we're in public, you have to pray over me. I do that. Right. <laughs> Every time, doesn't matter where I'm at. I'm drunk as hell to bar somewhere, I'm gonna be like, wherever, and you're gonna be like, all right. Well, and then the, the stranger standing next to him, you just hit him on the forehead and go, "You are saved." Take your water and just throw it on him. <laughs> you uh, might get struck by lightning. Though. Yeah, I mess yeah. Up. not in the winter. Yeah. Not the winter. But so you see behind you on that on that board in green in potential. Okay, we wrote that in oh, yeah. December. So you see on the bottom where it says CL Bryant, Black Pastor. Well, he, we've we've been talking about having this conversation yeah. since we started this podcast. Okay. Who is CL Bryant? Oh, what? dude, you got to listen to him. What? You got to listen to CL. CL's a dude. If you don't know he, who CL is, you ain't black. You ain't black. You ain't black jack. Okay, Joe Biden. You ain't. I'm looking at you, but you ain't black jack. God dang. Listen, man, CL Bryant. I'm telling you, I went. He he teamed up with Freedom Works, and uh, he was a he was a black Baptist minister. All right, hellfire and brimstone, buddy. Okay. I mean, he's one of those that gives those sermons that man. You are like. Oh, Lord, you know, and he gave that same energy with the Saving America tour, come back, uh, America's comeback or something to her. It was unbelievable. I was ready to go grab a musket, grab my folks and be like, let's go. It's time. He is unbelievable. He has a podcast and he's kind of, he's fallen off the podcast or, or he had before a little bit, but yeah, I mean, you need to go listen to him. He is amazing. He really is. And we want to have him on the show and we'll keep emailing him or, or whatever, but can, you know, yeah. we are able to get, you know, the guy from every BLM and, uh, and, and having you on here. And, and I thought that was cool that you came out and did it. And I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, man. We might have you back. Yeah. You didn't right. do bad. Your daughter will be proud. Maybe. You didn't stutter. You didn't. Baby girl. We don't do that. Yeah, yeah, maybe we have you back. Maybe we got three hosts now. I don't know. Shit. Damn. Well, two. Damn. Although I got to see, I got to see how your organizational skills st stand up. But damn. <laughs> <laughs> I run this shit. Uh, you can't. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah. Uh, but listen, it got nothing to do with you being black. I'm just saying <laughs> that if your organizational skills aren't as good, yeah. <laughs> then I'm still going to have to do it. I just can't talk because yeah. I say shit like black the basics. Yeah. You got to be quiet, man. You just do the organization. Yeah. 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 He said plug nickel and he didn't give her nothing. And I was like, oh, he gave her something. Oh, God, dude. <laughs> he yeah. plugged something. Or, uh, what did you say? You're so ridiculous. I am. I wish I'd worked for the FCC. I'd ban you. Ban you all. I'd ban you for the rest of your life. And and trust me, if we spin off another show off this, I'll be wild, dude. I've been holding back. There's something to wait. when we were talking to January Little John and the and, and lawyer, I was like, I couldn't I couldn't deliver no jokes. You know, I couldn't be that. Yeah, they were pretty serious. Yeah. And I'm just like, I'm like, oh I, I, I had every time someone would say something and I'd have I'm like, normally this is where I would say this. <laughs> I'll tell you though, Kevin was pretty I mean, he's he's our people. Yeah, he is. He's funny, man. All right. Anything else, Daniel? No, we don't have any more time. Yeah, Dwayne, you got anything else I'm you want to say? Thanks for having me, fellas. Nothing yeah, else you want to say? All right. I'm good. As always, we thank you guys for your support. Wherever you're listening to this podcast, if you could drop us a like, drop us a five-star review, that really helps us out. You can find us on Facebook at Pod Bless America. And you can find us on Twitter at Jim and Dan Show. You can find us on Getter at Pod Bless America. And you can find me at Jim at PBAPodcast.com. And you can find me at Dan at PBAPodcast.com. So until next time, I'm Jim. I'm Dan. And Pod Bless America. Pod Bless America.